I think when the Lord, when he compared, when he compares his people, uh, when he gives an analogy, when he uh, uh, likens his people unto uh, unto something, whether it be an animal or a certain thing, he he could have compared us to anything in the world. I mean, Jesus, he could have said, "My people are are like grizzly bears because they are strong, not ugly. They are strong." He he could have said, "My people are like lions, for you know they are." They are courageous, they are fearless, and they are brave. He could have said any of that. Uh, instead, when God describes his people in Scripture, he calls them sheep. Sheep. And as you may or may not know, sheep are not the brightest animals <laughs> to ever appear on earth. For those of you who... Uh, grew up around a farm or, um, you know, it's funny, we just got back from Wisconsin and we, we visited a place called The Farm and uh, it's where you get to go and you get to feed the animals and, and uh, boy, it was revealed unto us how much of a city slicker the Easton is. Wow. I mean, frightened uh, at these animals and they were just these little bitty goats, these goats, but man, have you ever seen them goats, how high they can jump? I mean, it might be frightening for a little, a little kid, but man, Easton, so he's, he's a city slicker. But moving on, sheep, they are not the brightest animals to ever appear on the, on the earth. In fact, they have a reputation, I'll just say it, for being quite stupid. Okay? They, they are dumb and they are, they are defenseless. I mean, they, they, if you look at them and you study them out, they require a shepherd to care for them. And, and they require a shepherd to protect them. They require someone who will look after their, their, their greatest needs, but even their smallest needs, okay? And they look for somebody who will, who will lead them to where they need to go. And, and when the Lord called us sheep, it may be less than flattering, but I'm telling you, it was right on target. And I'm not saying anybody's dumb here this morning. I'm not saying that you're not bright, okay? And I may be jumping ahead in my lesson this morning, but I want you to know I need a shepherd. I need his guidance. I need his everlasting leading hand. I need his correction in my life. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm not ashamed to stand up here and tell you that I need help, that I need a shepherd. In today's world, people are so ashamed for when they ask someone for help. It's, it's, we find, we think to ourselves, I can't let people know that I have a weakness. I can't let people know that I am in need, in need of something. And we have, we have gotten to the place where we have let pride grip our hearts. And if we ask for help, it would send a message to our circle of friends that we're not perfect and that we do have weakness. Well, I got news for you today. You are weak and you are not perfect and you never will be and you need a perfect savior. You need a perfect shepherd that will lead you. You need to hear the voice of the Lord saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You desperately, I desperately need the good shepherd in my life. Our text this morning begins with this, uh, with this affirmation of, it's affirmation of, uh, I tell you the truth. 
In different versions and different translations, you've heard verily, verily, or truly, truly, or amen, amen. Such, when you read words like that, such an introduction, it kind of like lets you know, hey, you need to perk up your ears right here. You need to hear what something's getting ready to go down. Today, some people might say, hey, listen up. Hey, pay attention here. I got something important to tell you. And, and you look through the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John alone, he uses this introduction some 25 times. Okay? And so something is getting ready to be said here that's going to be important. And I want to break down this, uh, our, our text this morning. Jesus uses four simple word pictures, if you will. He talks about the sheep. He talks about the sheep pen, he talks about the shepherd, and he talks about the gate. And if time allows this morning, I want to work through, I'm going to work through those this morning, beginning with the sheep. Do you realize that sheep, they are the most commonly mentioned animals in the Word of God? The most commonly mentioned animals in the Word of God. You look up how many times lion is spoken of. Lion, 152 times. And you're talking about the king of the jungle. I mean, how disrespectful. Right? Lighten up, folks. It's okay. (laughs) Camels are found 61 times. Dogs are mentioned some 41 times for all you dog lovers. Turtles, five times. Cats, zero. Why mention an animal that doesn't have a soul? You know what I mean? I must move on. Sheep are mentioned in the Bible more than 500 times. 500. Abel, the firstborn son of Adam and Eve, was a shepherd. This was the first line of work that was ever mentioned in the Bible. The Jews, if you look, were first shepherds and then they eventually turned to farming. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all likewise shepherds, as was Moses and David and Amos the prophet. Job had 14,000 sheep, according to Job 42 and 12. Solomon sacrificed some 120,000 sheep when he dedicated his temple. And I ask you this morning, to whom did the angel announce the birth of Jesus to? The shepherds. Amen. Simply put, shepherds and sheep, they play a vital role in Scripture. There's something of significance about shepherd and sheep. Sheep simply work so well as a biblical illustration due to their, to their being, they were clean animals. They were basically defenseless and, and they, they needed a shepherd. They were peaceful. And as one writer put it, he said, sheep are prone to wander. Sheep are prone to wander. So that covers the sheep. Next, I want to look at, uh, the sheep pen. The sheep pen. In Bible times, there were two different types of sheep pens. There was the, there was the communal pen, which if any of you have ever traveled out west, you have no doubt seen these, uh, large communal cattle pens, okay? And they, they it's where thousands of cattle that have belonged to a number of different farmers, a number of different ranchers are housed together in this awful smelling feedlot. Okay, if you ever happen up, have an opportunity to find a hotel, motel right next to it, do it. I'm just kidding. Only if you're on your honeymoon. Don't do it. Okay, horrible, horrible. Okay, those are communal sheep pens. 
And communal sheep pens in scripture, they would be found in a village or in a town. And a number of shepherds would put their sheep together in such a place just for the night. They, they In there they would be secure, they would be safe. And each, each pen had a strong gate as well as a watchman who would patrol throughout the night in order to keep any danger at bay. It was kind of like, it was kind of like taking your dog to the kennel if you were going to be away for the weekend. Only it would be like taking a hundred dogs and putting them in a kennel of a thousand other dogs. I mean, good luck with that, finding spot and rough whenever you get back from vacation. Okay, so that was the communal pen. And then there is the hillside or the country pen. And this, this, this type of pen, it was a little more, it was a little more crude than the communal. The, the wall was made of fill, uh, field stones which were piled high one on top of the other. There were thorn bushes that were uh, fastened to the top of the wall to act kind of like a like a barbed wire at the top of a fence. And and animals and thieves they would they would see that those thorns and the thistles and they would they they would be frightened not frightened but they would just know hey it's going to be tough getting in there it's going to be tough getting out of there. Animals and thieves they were discouraged from climbing up the wall due to due to seeing these thorns. But I want you to notice something. The purpose of the pen, it was the purpose for every pen. The purpose of the pen was safety. Everybody say safety. Safety. The fence, the thorns, the door were all a part of the shepherd's defense system that was meant to keep predators away. It was not meant to be cruel to the animals. It was not meant to be mean and say, hey, you're my prisoner. I'm going to keep you in here and your life is just going to be one giant buzzkill. No, 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 no. This was meant for their safety. It was not meant to harm any of the sheep. We have rules for Easton. We don't have a fence around our yard, but Easton knows there is this invisible fence that he's not allowed to go into the road unless he is with an adult. Unless there's, we have a, we live in a great neighborhood. I'm so thankful for where we live at. We we actually have an elder man that will let him walk around the block with Easton. How many people can say that they would let their kids walk around the block with with their neighbor? Not very many. But we have we have Mr. Wren who lives right across the street from us, and he is just the sweetest guy. And we'll take Easton. So Easton's not allowed out of the yard. Yesterday I was doing some yard work, and Easton had saw his friends that were down. We were mowing the grass, and he said, "Hey, there's my friends. I didn't even know he had friends in the neighborhood." I said, "How do you know?" Oh, they're your friends and stuff. I thought he was just making up. No, he knew these kids, but he could see them all the way down the road. And he said, "Dad, I'm going to go. I'm going to go over here." I said, "No, you stay where I can see you. Stay where I can see you." I was working in the front. He wanted to be in the back, and I said, "I'm sorry, but I can't see you back there." Am I try? Am I a bad dad? A- am I being cruel to my kid? No. It was meant for what? His safety. The fences that you have set up in your life right now, let me tell you, they are not there to harm you. Rather, they are set there for your protection. They are there for your safety. I love what Jesus said. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. He says that through Him, 
the sheep, they come in and they go out. And to be able to come in and go in peace was the Jewish way of describing a life that is absolutely safe, a life that is absolutely secure. Listen to me this morning. I thank God for the fences that I have in my life because they are keeping me safe and they are keeping me alive. The only time that I'm truly in danger is when I'm on the outside of the pen. They're The fences are there for a purpose and they protect you to keep you safe. Then we move on to the shepherd. The Pharisees considered the shepherds members of an unclean profession and they were the upper class and the upper class despised them as vulgar and inferior. Here's the deal with the shepherd. He had to always be on the clock. No weekends, no vacation time. No, taking half day today. None of that. Always on the clock. You know what that meant? Always in danger. Always alert. In short, the life of a shepherd was very hard. His equipment was, was very simple. He, he carried with him this script, which is, a, which is a bag made of the skin of a, uh, of an animal in which in, inside of that he carried this food, okay? Probably, probably a little bread, maybe a few olives, maybe some goat's cheese, uh, just, just not very, not very much. And I, and I read things like that and I hear what the, what the shepherds, uh, how they would carry about themselves and, and that they didn't really carry much and that they're always on the clock, they're always in danger, they're always alert, they're always putting their their selves out on the line. Nonetheless, listen to this, Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords humbly identified Himself in verses 11 and 14 with the shepherds. With the shepherds. He then goes on to, to mark these traits, traits of a good Shepherd. I want to run through them this morning. The first one is the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice. The sheep recognize. I want you to think back with me to the communal pen that I just uh, uncovered just a little bit ago. Okay, thousands of other animals. Remember, the sheep are there all bunched in together, and the shepherd. This shepherd's got his sheep in there. Brother Hogan's got his sheep in there. That guy's got his his sheep in there. Okay, we've all got these sheep that are in there. Genesis twenty nine. You talk about Jacob continuing on his journey, and he goes and he finds uh, three flocks of sheep lying near to. Together, okay, they were lying together. All of these different sheep, okay. Some of you have three kids and you can't keep their names separate. If you have one, you need to come to the altar right now if you can't keep their names separate. No, no, no. They were lying together. And the question is, how did these shepherds separate their sheep? How did they keep them separate? How did they make sure that they were getting their, the right sheep whenever they would go to pick up Bambi or, you know, Dorothy or whatever. Not, sorry if anybody's named Dorothy. I don't mean you're, that's a sheep name or anything like that. But how did they keep them separate? The answer is quite simple. When it came time for the shepherds to move on, they would go and they would stand one by one near the gate and they would yell out. They would call a familiar call. It would be a certain sound. It would be a certain word that they would holler out. And each shepherd's call was, call and voice was unique. And the sheep knew which one was which. 
And when they would hear that, the sheep would raise up their heads and they would perk up their ears and then each sheep, knowing the shepherd's voice, would then follow their own shepherd. Heard a story one time of a of some thieves who broke in to steal a man's flock of sheep. And all of a sudden the shepherd wakes up in the middle of the night to see his sheep scurrying off at the hands of some thieves. And he knew that he wasn't able to get them back one by one. He knew that he was outnumbered. So what he do? He stood out on the edge of his yard and he hollered out the familiar call. The familiar sound, and at that very moment, the sheep stopped, turned back, recognized the voice of their shepherd, and they went running back to their very own. I like what the Scripture says in verse 4 and 5. It says, He goeth before them, and the sheep, that's you and me, follow Him, for they know His voice, and a stranger will they not follow. One of the greatest safeguards that there is out there in a world of strange voices and strange vices is the knowledge of the shepherd's voice. Church, you ought to thank God every day that you're still able to hear the voice of the shepherd. Come on, clap your hands under the name. You're thankful to hear his voice. I thank God that he is still speaking. I thank God that he is still trying to reach. And here's the deal. It may not be an audible voice from heaven. He may be speaking to you through a sermon. He may be speaking to you through a song. It may be a word of encouragement from a brother or a sister. But God is still speaking. God is still speaking. And his sheep know his Voice. You are known. He knows you. And you should know Him. Second thing, the shepherd calls each of, each of his sheep by name. The shepherd calls each of his sheep by name. It's not unusual for a shepherd to have his sheep with him for years. And every sheep is, it's, it's kind of amazing to me, every sheep is known individually. Individually, the shepherd will the shepherd will name them according to some physical physical trait, some physical trait that they are displaying, and the names are meant to identify a particular sheep with a certain affection. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Out of every believer on earth, God knows who you are. You're known. You're known. About a year ago, I was dealing with a little bit of an identity identity theft situation. I kept getting things in the mail, things that I've signed up for, or purchased, or opened a line of credit. My goodness, I had so many cell phones in my name with, uh, with T-Mobile. I've never been in a T-Mobile in my entire life. So I'm getting these things in the mail and I was beginning to get a little, a little scared. It was quite the mess. And I had to make several phone calls. And then when you're making phone calls, you feel like, okay, this person I'm talking is really shady right now. Why are they asking me so much information about myself? You know? And so then you're like, you've already been like a victim. And, and so you're like, am I really talking to somebody, the right person? To, you know, I, I don't know what to do, you know. And so it was quite the mess. And I'm on the phone and I'm trying to cancel a lot of things that were open. But what was frustrating to me was that I had to call the credit bureau. And, and even though I was telling them the truth that I, hey, I'm the, I'm the real Bryce Jones. Hey, I'm, I'm the real deal here. It's me really on the phone. It was almost as if they didn't believe me. 
I got the feeling they didn't believe what I was saying. And I, and I understand the security aspect of it and I appreciate it. But I was like, hey, it's, it's, it's me, Bryce. I'm your neighbor. They're like, no, it's not it. No, 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 no. Uh, it's me. And I'm trying to convince them. I'm trying to give them all the information I felt comfortable getting. I'm like, hey, I'm the victim here. You need to help me. Listen to me. If you have ever had your identity lost in a maze of computer operations, then you can appreciate the comforting fact that the good shepherd knows more about you than, than just your social security number. He knows more about you than your pin number on your debit card. He knows more than that. Isaiah 49 says, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. The Israelites, they doubted the love of God. And Isaiah reminded them that even if a mother forgets her own child, he will never forget them. In fact, Isaiah writes, he has written our name on the palms of his hands. God knows my name. I am overwhelmed by that thought. I am overwhelmed how personal, how loving, how intimate, and yet I can't help but wonder, what else does God know about me? What else does God know about me? You know what, church? He knows my situation. He knows my struggles. He knows my limitations. He knows my fear and my anxiety. It, th those things are no surprise to Him. He knows my anger and my frustrations. He knows my weaknesses. He knows and He still loves me. God knows you. Knows you. Thank God today that we are known. The third thing is the shepherd, according to verse 3, then leads his sheep. Aren't you thankful that you can trust in such? God is never going to lead you down the wrong path. Like what the psalmist wrote in Psalms 23, He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He leads. The shepherd restores. He guides. He's with you. It is interesting that shepherds never drive the sheep. They never drive the sheep. Butchers, butchers drive the sheep. Thieves, they do. Shepherds, they don't. Rather, true shepherds always go before the sheep, looking out for danger and for green pastures. A good shepherd doesn't ask his sheep to go anywhere where he would not or has not gone himself. He is the scout. He is the guide. He is the guardian of the way. And with that, the sheep confidently follow after Him wherever He leads. I'm thankful to know today that the events of life cannot take me where His grace cannot keep me. That's why I've got to stay close to Him. For without Him, the Bible says, we can do nothing. He goes before you. He knows the way before you. The things that surprise us don't surprise Him. There's an old song that says, I can't even walk. <laughs> I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I desperately need Him. I need His leading. I need Him leading my family. I need Him leading this church. I can't make it without Him. Moving on, the shepherd offers life. 
while the thief offers death. John 10 and 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest, have it in abundance. This is, this is an important point. The biblical shepherd did not tend the sheep in order to slaughter them. Rather, sheep were raised for wool and milk and lambs. The only exception to this were when the sheep were offered as a sacrifice. Thieves, on the other hand, loved to steal, kill, and destroy. Jewish law distinguished thieves from robbers. Thieves broke in, whereas robbers, they were the guys that would hide out in the wilderness and they would wait for people to pass them by and then they would, they would assault those who were, who were unfortunate to head that direction. Shepherds continually had to guard against losing sheep to either kind of enemy. You remember David had to kill both a bear and a lion while doing what? watching over the flock. Sheep have uh, little means of, of self-defense. When, they, when they're provoked, about the only thing that they can do is kind of butt their head into the person. Okay, there wasn't, there wasn't like, hey, what's up? You know, I'm a sheep. You know, there wasn't any of that. There wasn't like, let's, let's, let's go. You know, there wasn't any of that. Okay, they, about all they could do was put their head down and butt the person going forward. Okay, that's about all that they were do. They were, they were, they're basically helpless. And they're feeble creatures whose, whose only recourse is to run and be protected by the shepherd. Understand this this morning, that we have an enemy. We have an enemy. One that seeks to shatter and destroy your soul. You have an enemy that's not playing games. You have an enemy that is serious about his job. Okay? You have an enemy that is trying to destroy your soul. And Paul warned of ravening wolves that get in among the flock. Allow me to send out that same warning today. Beware. Be careful what you allow in your homes. Be careful who you allow to sit at your table. Wait, we have an enemy that won't quit until his goal is accomplished. You have an enemy that will not give up. Hear the word of the Lord today. Run to the shepherd. Run to safety. Run to the one who offers life and not death. He offers life while our enemy offers death. Stay close to him. It's not just about being in the flock, but it's about being close to Jesus. Because you sit on a church pew does not mean you are close to the shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The fifth trait that John mentions in chapter 10 talks about the good shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. John 10, 11-13 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The shepherd would put himself in harm's way in order to protect his flock. Jesus Christ suffered our death. He faced the thief head on. And he didn't blink at all. He died so that we may live. The good shepherd truly gave his life for his sheep. The sixth thing is the shepherd 
knows his sheep. Everybody say knows. Knows. Now, it may sound a little redundant to you, like I maybe covered that in the first trait. This is, this is different. John 10, 14 adds, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. In verse 3, we spoke of it earlier, he speaks of voice and name recognition. But the knowledge spoken of here in verse 14 goes well beyond that. This means much more than simply some intellectual awareness. Rather, it speaks of our having an intimate and obedient relationship with Him. The word no speaks of a complete and absolute understanding on God's part. The shepherd truly knows his sheep and therefore he knows how to best minister to them individually. One sheep might be afraid of heights. One sheep might be afraid of water. One might be afraid of a downhill climb. One, it may be an uphill climb. But you know what? The Good Shepherd knows His sheep intimately. I've heard that a Good Shepherd doesn't have to count His sheep at night. He can literally just sense when one isn't there. He doesn't have to go through and take roll call. He doesn't have to go through and, and count the number. He can literally just look and notice if one is not there. One shepherd said, he said, if you blindfold me and bring up all of these different sheep, he said, I could just fill their face and be able to tell you if they are mine or not. In like fashion, At the end of the day, when the sheep were going into the sheep pen, the shepherd would hold his rod across the entrance quite close to the ground. And every sheep had to pass under it as they would go back into the pen. And while they were doing it, while each sheep was passing, the shepherd would quickly examine it to see if it had received any kind of injury, any kind of, any kind of thing throughout the day. I ask you, how does it strike you that as you lay your head down on your pillow at night, you are passing under the rod of the Good Shepherd and that He examines you to see how you're doing and how you fared through the day? Church, you are known. God knows you. God knows your way. He knows your path. He knows your struggle. He knows your weakness. He knows what you may be scared of, what you're fearing right this very moment. He knows. You're known. Ephesians chapter 4, the word that is translated pastor in English is translated shepherd in Latin. Outside of the actual job of being a shepherd, I don't know of another job that better fits the description of a shepherd than that does the office of pastor. 
in time, a pastor gets to know his people as few others get to know them. You have a pastor that's there when your children are born, when you get married, when there's a death in the family, when you're going through counseling, when you're sharing meals together. He he gets to know the people and loving people creates a bond that is unique and special. And I ask this morning, if a pastor knows his people to such an extent, how much more does our heavenly Father, the Good Shepherd, know those who follow Him? you're known you're known God knows you would you stand with me this morning Psalms 4 and 8 says I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone O Lord make me dwell in safety So many times, so many ways, so many people have told me of God knowing and speaking to them personally about some private fear or need. And sometimes He speaks through His Word. I mentioned this earlier. Sometimes He speaks through His Word. At other times, it's through a sermon. It's through a song. It's through a friend. It's through a a, a phone conversation. It's something over the radio. The point is this. He zeroes in at just the right time. And in the best possible way. Have you ever had those moments that all of a sudden you received a vision and we're like, wow, where did that come from? He knows his sheep. How was I able to get through this? How was I able? I didn't think an answer was on the way. And all of a sudden, bam. Are you worried about your job? He knows. Are you concerned about some area of your health? He knows. You concerned about uh, uh, your family salvation? He knows. Are you thrilled about something in your life? Have you just been promoted and you're thrilled about it? You're excited? He knows. Young people, are you thinking about where to attend college? He already has the right one picked out for you. Psalms 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know, when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. It says, you hem me in. Behind and before you have laid your hand upon me, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, you uh, too lofty for me to attain. The psalmist reminds us, he knows you. He knows you. He knows you. 